Hello. Wow. I, I was waiting and I was wondering why there was such a silence. And I look up and Adam just has their hand out, like waiting for me to like go. I, and I like so I hear I, hi everyone. I liked the episode a couple of weeks back when you when you started everything. And I panicked and I just yeah. kept well hello. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of the New York Mystery Machine. Tammy Harper for ghosts. Barbara, you're here. Yeah, Barbara's Thanks here. Fucking Barbara. <laughs> Tammy Harper for the ghosts. How you doing today, Adam? I'm doing great. Yeah? Yeah, you know, the nose is trying to do what it's doing, but you know, it's so dry, it's arid. It's so dry. Adam has a, a lovely humidifier still this is, in the yeah, this studio is, with us. This is this is a fixed a fixed thing now for the winter. We're mm. going to have the the humidifier or humidifying. Mm, well, um, but the nose treat, treating you good? Yeah, it's still swollen and it's still sore, but yep. my surgeon said it can take up to three months for that to, to change. Well, that's so, fun. You know. That's what they said about my uh, my C-section incision. Oh, look at fortune. Look, look at us. Sur- sur- look at surgery us. buddies. Look at us. Just making it happen. So, uh, yeah, well, yeah, we're so glad that you're here. <laughs> it gets so weird when I ask you to do it. I, it's so... I. I it's been 122 episodes. And I've done it, I think, th- you got this is the third time? 122 episodes. Th- season three. It's easily 120 too many. <laughs> <laughs> so you've all told us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're so glad you're here um, every time that you listen. And we uh, we, we uh, got some stuff for you. We're gonna you have- spiral so much. I, do, I just I just... It just doesn't come as natural to you. It doesn't. Because, I, I mean, I've done it three times in 120 episodes. Uh, <clears throat> let me channel my inner um, my inner you, I guess. Uh, yeah, so we are. We're glad you're here. We've got stickers. They're really great. I'm looking at them right now. And one thing I've been wondering, and this has nothing to do with anything, but I am looking at these stickers, and I'm wondering yeah, yeah. why. Um, oh, I know, I, know, I know the question. What is the question? You're wondering why the numbers are the numbers that they are? No, no, I know why the numbers are oh, the okay. numbers that they are. I'm wondering why on a real Ouija board, the they haven't bothered to update it with the QWERTY, uh, like, order, because the point of a, a QWERTY keyboard, am I saying that right? Anyway, is that the number, the letters that are grouped together are the ones most frequently used. And last week when Henny was trying to communicate and it took them forever to go letter by letter, I'm like, why don't they just update the Ouija board to make it more suitable? Anyway, this is neither here nor there. That's We've got really, stuff for you. That's a really good, interesting little, little tidbit. Anyway. One interesting tidbit. You're welcome, everyone. How's everything else for you going, Christina? Going great? Going great. Living going your best great. life? Living my best life. Living my best life. I've got no updates. Tammany exists. You guys, you know what I've, 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 I've learned um, on the show? Mm. Um, that when you put that you host a paranormal podcast on your dating profile, bumps up listenership. Let me tell you something. So if you're someone who who has connected with me on an app, or someone who has went on a date with me, and you're listening to this podcast now, and from both of our welcome, hearts, we thank you. We thank you. Welcome. I'm glad that I literally, literally this morning, someone messaged me. She goes, "Tell me everything about your podcast." And I was like, "This sure. is why Adam <laughs> this is why I'm got dating. into." Oh, see, I'm I, no. It's the opposite. <laughs> this is why I'm dating. Just to fill I was the numbers. I say this is why I started a podcast. But I'm no. fine. I'm really comfortable being 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 in my apartment by myself. I don't need that. You know, I'm just. <laughs> it's really about the podcast. It's numbers. about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really great. But honestly, truth be told, I if you are someone who went on a date with me or connected me on an app, welcome to the show. We hope you uh, you hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy. It. It's also so weird though because I, I I said on on a date a couple of weeks ago that um I do feel weird when people that I don't know but like went on a date with or haven't even gone on a date with yet mm-hmm. listen to the pod because they have like 
a head start. Yeah. Because we're so, like, us on the show. That's true. We talk very much about our lives and the people in our lives. And so, like, people who I talk to are- know a lot about you. Yeah. And, like, even people who are our friends who aren't friends with each other (laughs) know of the other people's friends in our life. Like, people who are your friends (laughs) are like, oh, did Christian say that? Like, they're like, because we mentioned Christian on the show, we mentioned Sam on the show, we mentioned Ed on the show a lot. And so, it's just really funny. And any- in any case, welcome to the show, everyone. However you got here. However you found this. We are so happy that you are here. Um, and like Christina said, we are, by February, we should have some, some merchandise. This up. might be February. Are we in February? Yeah. By now or next I, time. I don't know. <laughs> by the end of the month, we think we should have some new merchandise uh, up for you for purchase including um, these really great stickers in addition we have um a really fun episode coming up we, we told you guys at the end of last year being of this year that um season rather the end of last season being of season we're gonna have some new surprises and um we have uh an interview scheduled um and you know we do about one interview a year and this year we have a really fun one it's not a cult we the last two interviews were, were cult survivors uh this one is not it's a it's a specialist about something we talk about a lot on the show and i'll leave it at that because i want you to just you know um shiver with anticipation <laughs> um so really excited that's probably coming out in the next couple of weeks actually we're, we're gonna set that up and so really excited about that so some fun Yay. new episodes coming up um as well as in april of this year big announcement april of this year will be a completely on the road month yes all episodes in april loading up the van will be the f- most craziest month we have episodes from the east coast from the west coast from Europe. So um, we're really excited to try out this new thing. So it'll be one month on the road with the New York Missing Machine. Um, Maybe Andy can create a jingle (gasps) for it. I'm really... I'm gonna see if he can. Yeah. He'll be very mad, mad at me for even asking, but maybe I can. Because it'd be fun to do like a nice little like on the road like Willie Nelson y type. Ooh! I would love it to be our theme, but more like. But like a little. But like a little blue grassy. I'll see what I can do. I can do it. Andy Colopy, who's the he composed our our intro. So every all of you who ever ask like who composed that uh, the most amazing. Uh, theme song for our podcast that is my good friend um brilliant musician um uh, andy Colby, who who has, who's now gonna has been committed on air to <laughs> no, I, I won't commit he's gonna be like i'm way too busy for that um mm. even though i'm pretty sure he did our theme song in like a night like he was right. like i got it done anywho hey christina hi where are we today we are going to be doing a story that centers around Rikers Island. Oh, that sounds like a place. That <laughs> It is a place, in fact. Uh, what do you know about Rikers Island? Um, I've been to Rikers Island. Have you? I did some theater, some prison theater on Rikers Island. That's cool. Um, not my favorite form of theater, but it was a really cool... I, I When I was at NYU... Can you define prison theater? Um, It's basically very similar... Is it like... like theater therapy or like yeah like it's basically a, drama okay. therapy so it's basically it's, it's it's very much like documentary theater where they're writing about them themselves and, and and putting their stuff into monologues and stuff like that cool um and i went uh, my the head of the department at nyu where i studied for my master's he had a relationship there and so he would take um grad students you know if they wanted to go in little groups and so I was like, I'm kind of interested. That seems like cool. I've been doing a lot of teaching artist work with young people, so mm-hmm. I do be interested in going to prison. So it was pretty interesting. I got to go 
twice, and uh, it was really fascinating. That was the only time I've ever been to Rikers. Um, it is uncomfortable. Things I didn't know about you. I almost forgot. I almost forgot about it as a situation because like, I've done so much shit. Like sure. I forget about the, the 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 sheer volume of things I've done in my career. Mm-hmm. That I just forget about it sometimes. And so like I didn't remember it until you right. said Rikers. I was like, oh yeah, I was. I've been to Rikers. I did theater there. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, for anyone who doesn't know Rikers, Rikers Island is a 413-acre island in the East River located between Queens and the Bronx, but it's technically part of the Bronx, and it's New York City's largest jail, right? Um, And so it has 10 out of New York City Department of Corrections, 15 facilities. It can house something like 15,000 detainees, which is wild. Um, A jail first opened on the location in 1932, and I keep saying jail because, and this is an important distinction, a Jail is not the same thing as a prison, right? What's the difference? So jail is short-term sentences, pretrial detainees, that kind of thing. So you can be held in a jail and not be guilty of a crime, right? So that that is that is like the you're end. in the jailhouse. You're just in the jailhouse now, right? That's just a holding space, right? Exactly. Prison is a you've been convicted of something. And is prison the same as a correctional facility? Like, are they interchangeable when you're like in the correctional facility? Great question. Not sure. That's a Google question. Do you want me to Google that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I assume a correctional facility is a prison unless... I think correctional facility is probably like every square is a rectangle, but not all rectangles are squares. Oh, yeah. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. That, not having Googled it yet, but that is that is why I imagine it to be, that a correctional facility... But I could be wrong. But I imagine that's more the catch-all term. Sure. Someone anyway. yell at me if I'm wrong. We love that. Um... Anyway, Rikers is a terrible bad place. You said it was uncomfortable. You were correct. It is It is a terrible bad place because... <laughs> terrible bad place. Uh, so reporting has indicated that it is one of the worst correctional facilities in the entire United States. Uh, notable for its brutal violence and assault, both between inmates, but also from the staff towards inmates. It has one of the highest rates of solitary confinement in Ugh. the nation. Um, and remember, these are the majority of these detainees are pretrial defendants. So that's bad already that these are the conditions for pre-trial defendants and on top of that the wait time to trial is abysmal um there is an insane number of deaths annually and it's it's bad enough that um we're actually in a very very slow process of shutting it down because of how gobsmackingly terrible and inhumane this is you could use a godsmack thank you you never get it's to a word, hear word word that should come back more often um that's what i think the city by the way has just like pushed off closing it fully again until like 2027 anyway that's actually not what we're talking about today, but it is the little PSA about our need for reform, um, and it's the setting of today's story. But we're going to kick off the discussion of the crime itself by painting a picture of the missing victim. And our our missing victim is, in fact, a painting. Do you see what I did? That we're going to paint a picture of the Anyway. So... A victim can't be a painting. They don't breathe. I don't feel bad for the painting. Maybe you should. Fair. So <laughs> today's Fair. Um, painting is actually by Salvador Dali, the greatest, maybe not greatest. He's a gr- one of the greatest, one of the greatest Dali. surrealist artists of the 20th century. So for those who don't know, Salvador Dali, born Salvador Domingo Felipe Jacinto Dali y Domenech, the uh, Marquis of Dali of Pubol on May 11th, 1904. He studied fine art formally in Madrid, and was drawn to various avant-garde movements. So eventually he becomes part of the Surrealist movement. Um, and 
the surrealists are really interested with the idea of um, the unconscious and dreams. And you'll see they do a lot of what is called um, automatic drawing. And so, you know, sort of like tapping into the unconscious in the way that you might with uh, writing stream of consciousness. They're doing it through through drawing. Right. Um, it's all about these dream states and the uh, challenging of norms in these way. And this is what Dali is interested in. His paintings are unnerving and fantastical and uncanny. Um, and suffice to say, if you know one of Salvador Dali's paintings, you probably know the persistence of memory. So Ooh. the persistence of memory is that painting uh, with the clocks melting everywhere over oh, barren trees. I thought it was called clocks. Could have been. Like the Coldplay song. Salvatore Dali painted a bunch of clocks in a painting on the wall and the clocks are dripping down and it's ooh okay beautiful our uh, musical numbers have gotten a lot of hand I think I uh, I, disagree. <laughs> I don't think they've gotten enough I think, out of hand I think I sang a, sang a Flow Rider song a few weeks ago yes you did <laughs> I'm pretty sure you did. I'm almost positive. I sang a flow writer song. <laughs> you come to the pod for the paranormal, you leave with flow writer. And Coldplay. And Coldplay. Um, Said no one ever. <laughs> so how how did a work by Salvador Dali come to be at Rikers? Um, it's not unheard of. Certainly, um, artists have done many things for and with... Um, those who have been incarcerated in in places like Rikers, uh, Adam apparently, yeah, I've also done these things. I did art, so you know, um, it was in one of these sort of uh, teaching artist capacities. But here's how it comes about: uh, Dali's associate Nico Iperifanos was at a dinner party, sitting next to a certain Anna Moskowitz Cross, who was described by a 2001 New York Times article as a reform-minded commissioner of the Department of Corrections. And she was interested in art and art therapy as part of rehabilitation. So she's sitting next to Iperifanos and knows that Iperifanos knows Dali. In fact, Iperifanos often had tea with him and she has an idea. Would Iperifanos convince Dali to do something for the Rikers Island inmates? Um, Iperifanos would later recall that what she said was something like, I have many artist inmates on Rikers Island. I want you to help me bring Dali one day there in order to speak and in order to give pleasure to the prisoners. There. So Iperifanos wasn't sure Dali would do it for free. Notoriously, Dali likes some to do things for a little bit of cash. So weird when artists want to get paid. Crazy. <laughs> to be fair, Dali's, he's not, I don't think he's really hurting right now. Hey, um, make a buck. <laughs> But he said, what the hell, I'll ask him. And with Cross's permission, in lieu of payment, Dali agrees to be offered publicity. Uh, because if there's one thing Dali likes, it's publicity. Um, so the Department of Correction was willing to go ahead and give a press release with the headline, Salvador Dali goes to prison. <laughs> That's a good friend. And uh, was it the post? It feels like that would have been right there, Ali. Um and so Dolly said, great, this is going to cause a delightful stir. Everyone's going to think it's terrific. Let's go for it. Um, and so they start planning it. They start planning what the optics are going to be. When I say optics, I mean, quite literally, he's thinking about what the photographs are going to look like. So if I may use uh, an L.A. Times article to describe their plan. You may. 
here's what here's what a 1998 article says uh the boat trip to the jail was to be signature dali another spectacle for an artist already renowned for his mix of surrealism and self-promotion Inmate artists would get to visit with the mustachioed Spaniard, who spent a few weeks behind bars himself as a rebellious art student in the 1920s. Accompanying him would be an array of reporters, his pet ocelot, and his wife, Gala. His pet what? Ocelot. And what is that? Uh, O-C-E-L-O-T. It is a kind of cat. It is a kind of wild cat. So if you look up Ocelot, they've got these wonderful big eyes. Oh. It kind of looks like a house cat and like a leopard. Yes. Yes. Like it looks like a very like wholesome leopard. It's a it's a whole it's yes, it is a wholesome leopard, uh wild cat. And I just really wild love this cat. visual of of you know, Dolly at the prow of a ship to the on Dolly was what nationality was he? Spanish. I can't do it. I can't even know what it sounds like. I almost started, I couldn't think of mm. it. It almost came out very Italian. <laughs> I am Dolly. <laughs> Come on with me. Hey, I've got this ass a lot. Why are they all, they're just all Italian. They're all, they're... <laughs> so that's the plan. Barcelona. <laughs> Salvador Dali. That's it. Salvador that's Dali. It. It's bad. It's all bad. We just lost any Spanish listeners. Sorry, Spanish listeners from Spain. So uh, that's the plan. Gala Oslet reporters, Dali Rikers. But on the morning that Dali is scheduled to go, he wakes up sick. And it was going to be a windy day, a cold day. It's February. And so his wife calls uh, Iperifanos and says, Dolly is not coming. No. <laughs> it's a disaster. Um, right. The reporters, the press, the photographers are all in the St. Regis Hotel lobby, which is where Dolly lives. Um, and they're waiting. And so Dolly, who is sick, but still capable of holding a paintbrush. Tells Iperifanos, go down and tell them Dali is sick. What would you like to read this in your best oh, Spanish yeah. accent? I'll, I'll figure it's it. only like and sentence. Um <laughs> But I you know. This is not a Spanish accent. This is not what Dali sounded like. Go down and tell them Dali is sick. But in one hour, an hour and a half, there will be a wonderful gift for the prisoners of Rikers Island. Be my guest. Be my it's guest. It's French. It's French, isn't it? I can't do Spanish. I can do bad Italian and bad French, but I can't do Spanish. You know, my other favorite thing about that quote, though, is is um, one of his many idiosyncrasies is uh, speaking in the third person. He referred to himself. I love that. I love that for him. Person. It's Dolly and the Rock. One best. And one. Henny. And Henny. From the block. All the greats. Oh, well, that rhymed. Dolly and the Rock and Henny from the Block. Look at that. Could add a new verse to your wonderful riff from last week. Singing in third person like Dolly and the Rock. She's still, she's still Henny from the Block. There it is. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Season three of the show, man. <laughs> Gone off the rails. I mean, like, you guys, what happened to us? <laughs> we were a half serious show, I think, at the beginning. I think we thought we were going to be. I think we thought we were going to be a lot more serious. We always knew we were going to be fancy voices. That was from, from the trailer. Yeah. We knew that. However, things got loony. Yeah. Things got loony. Things got loony. Uh, er. <laughs> so he he takes his paintbrush and he creates a work. It's a watercolor and charcoal on paper. It's about four feet by five feet. So it's pretty, pretty big. Um, that same LA Times uh, description or article rather gives a really nice description that I'd like to use. It is a bird's nest of dark lines, indecipherable at first glance. 
Then the cross comes clear, strong, clean, and square. Then a man's bloodshot eye, glaring through a tangle of hair, possibly thorns. Then blood, or maybe just a stain, dripping down the long, ravaged body. And so what he paints is a crucifixion, which is something that My he... word. Yeah, he's... he's plays with crucifixion imagery in his later work. Solid choice for a prison. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, gosh, what's something good for people in jail, jail prison? We, we just, jail. jail. What's something good for people in jail to look at? I guess the crucifixion. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, not maybe the most uplifting moment that one could, but this is what they got. This is what they got. Uh, the painting is given, it, it makes the boat ride sans Dali, sans Ocelot over. Um, there's like one picture of, I guess, the commissioner receiving it. Um, and it is hung in the main jail, the Correctional Institution for Men. And it is hung in the cafeteria there. Um, like I said, there's this one picture, but that's basically all the documentation. Um, in 1981, a prisoner threw a cup of coffee. And hit the painting, which left some stains. And that's sort of the first time after like 20 something years where people are like, oh, yeah, we've got this painting here. Oh, yeah. And the warden wasn't even really convinced that it was a real Dali. That was the story. But he was like, that can't be right. And so he has someone come in and appraise it. And it's confirmed. Yes, this is a Dali. And it's worth, as of 1981, about $100,000. They have it. Uh, here is a New York Times article from about that time. The Department of Corrections began piecing together the history of the painting two weeks ago after a warden on Rikers called in a Manhattan art dealer who authenticated the work and appraised it at $75,000 to $100,000. If a second appraisal next week supports that value, the city's correction department would like to contact the ailing 76-year-old artist who lives in Paris and ask his permission to sell the work. We're very short of funds now, and if Mr. Dolly agrees, we'd like to sell the painting and use the money to set up an inmate's art program, said Edward Hershey, a spokesperson, uh, a spokesman for the department. Uh, Phyllis Lucas, a New York gallery owner who deals extensively in Dolly prints, appraised the work on March 9th, and the moment she said its value, the picture was taken down from the mess hall and secured in the warden's office. So, as this article notes, the artwork is worth a lot of money. They say, oh, no, we can't leave this in the cafeteria. They take it down. Like, oh, no. This was a bad we, idea. We can't put this dolly in the cafeteria over the garbage pails. Yeah. Yeah. And literally, it's over the garbage pails. And so, I mean, on the one hand, it does make sense. It's probably one of the most frequently trafficked areas for those being held there to see it. On the other hand, you could pick a, maybe a slightly less messy spot. Yeah. I'm sure there's spots for this painting. Um, but it, it ends up getting taken down. It sits in some offices. They want to sell it uh, to make some money. Uh, the art community sort of gets up in airs about selling the Dali. So they say, what if we make prints and sell those? Nothing happens with that. And eventually they just put it back up. It does make um, the rounds around the country in a, an exhibition of artwork made by those who are incarcerated. But then it ends up back at Rikers, put in a gold leaf mahogany frame and hung in a hallway now this hallway is no longer where basically any inmate can see it it is off um, above the sign-in book for staff and visitors so it's in a highly um, trafficked highly secure location um, but really where just staff are getting to see it now Dolly dies in 1989 um, and presumably that makes the value of this work skyrocket 
Um, so much so that in 2001, uh, a New York Times article suggests that it's probably would be worth about three times its original amount. Which brings us to March of 2003, when the painting would be rediscovered yet again in a way that you do not want paintings to be rediscovered. Oh, gosh. More on that after the break. We'll be right back after these messages. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. And we're back. We're back. We've been talking about Salvador Dali. Dali. About his, his craziness and his I am mustache. So and I am Dali. His surrealistness. And he made a painting. He gave it to Rikers and it sat there for a while. And uh, that brings us pretty much up to speed. <laughs> uh, where we are in 2003. And when you walk by something every day, day in and day out, you kind of fill in the blanks. You don't have to look at it that much. And... You know, you just know it's there. Yeah, our brain does that. Like, our brain just knows normal stuff. Yeah, it fills in. That's actually, like, I think how peripheral vision works, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just fills in what it knows is there. Yeah, it, I think it's also the same uh, mechanism that when things are, when, we're, when like, words have jumbled letters, mm-hmm. but we're familiar with the actual words, we're able to read it easily because our brain knows how to unscramble those words we're so familiar with those like there's like those you can see you can take those tests online where it's just like there's a couple of words and and the word the letters are not correct they're just not correct letters but you read them easily and fast because your brain just knows the structure between size and roundness and all that jazz exactly so this is kind of what you have to imagine is happening right it's a random day in march 2003 you're a corrections officer walking back and forth and the dolly painting on the wall because the dolly painting is always on the wall except one of you does a double take and says that can't be right. I ain't right. That ain't right. But something's something's off. Um, and they go to their supervisor and say, "Can you come over and look at this painting real quick?" And they come and they look at the painting. And they go, "Yeah, that's not the painting. That's 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 not the painting." Um, was it like bacon and eggs? There's like a this is a, this just is a, bacon, a bacon and eggs. This is bacon and eggs. This is the Ron Swanson bacon and eggs picture. Exactly. <laughs> um, a, a picture I have hanging in my kitchen. Right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's basically what happens because they they go and the dolly is gone and it has been replaced and they know it's replaced. Here's how the New York Times describes the decoy. The fake dolly seemed to have been drawn by a child, one with no artistic talent, according to several people who saw it later that morning. Also, the counterfeit was smaller than the original, a detail immediately noticed by many Rikers employees who had walked past the drawing every day for years. And there were also those reddish food stains the real Dolly had acquired, ketchup probably, from its years hanging in the jail's cafeteria near the trash bins where inmates dumped their leftovers. The splotches on the fake were more brown. But the most obvious difference was the gold leaf mahogany frame that held the original. It was gone. 
Instead, the thieves used a stapler, simply pinning the fake dolly to the back of the display case. Um, My favorite part of that account is that is to be the guy who stole it, mm-hmm. or no, the guy who 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 reprinted it and read it, like it must have been done by a child. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'm not so good with paintbrushes, but it's pretty good. That's not. It's pretty good. My kid couldn't do that. Don't. That's just mean spirited, New York Times. <laughs> That's just mean spirited. I did my best. That's all I can do. I'm not no train painter. I'm not Dolly. I did my best to fake it. That's actually how they found the the culprit. They he wrote in and got really mad. Just like his, to how the editor. He's <laughs> like, I tried my best. I tried my best. What what I also enjoy is that um, in another New York Times article, they have um, uh, Sharon Flesher, who was the executive director of the International Foundation for Art Research. Um, and it's an organization that gets consulted a lot for like questions of fraud and ownership and that kind of thing. And and this person points out that it's, quote, it's double ironic that it happens to be Salvador Dali when he's an artist whose works are so often fake that we don't even accept Salvador Dali works for review in our art authentication surface anymore. Oh my gosh. And so I love the idea that this one, though, is so bad that everyone's like, yeah, that's not, we can't even be fooled by that. That's real bad. That's not, this that's not bad. anything. That's real bad, you guys. Um, so... Next up, they register the missing Dolly with the Art Loss Register, which is a database that sort of maintains this and gets used by, like, Interpol and the FBI and stuff like that. Um, and the idea is that if someone, you know, if the painting pops up or someone thinks it's popped up, they can call and give a description and they search for it. Um, but here's something to keep in mind about art theft. What do you do with your work of art? What is your motivation? It's probably money, right? Yeah, yeah. But you can't sell a stolen work of art very easily because of things like this database where it then like sets off all the alarm bells and people go, oh, no, this is stolen. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we've covered a lot of episodes. I mean, we did the there was that one Christmas episode, mm-hmm. the Christmas cornucopia episode with stolen art. Yep. Um, then the jewel heist from yep. the from Natural History Museum. Yep. And it's like, yeah, you can't actually sell these things because once you sell them, people find you and then you go to jail because you right. can't purchase or sell stolen art right and like that's a whole sub thing in in art history right like it's provenance research looking for the chain of of ownership so it it's hard to do so if you're just looking to hold on to it for your own personal use it's hard to put in your home because someone's going to come over and say ha how did you afford salvador dali yeah. how'd you come how'd you find this and where'd you get it and, and then why what, does it have ketchup stains on it and then what you got to do is go no i'm just a really good artist i, I did that i did that i'm one. so good don't look at the new york times though <laughs> They'll beg to differ. <laughs> so these are sort of like fucking New York Times over here. <laughs> so these are these are the things that they're wrestling with. Like there's this concern that the painting's just going to go underground and be basically in hiding from whoever took it, right? Because there's it's hard to unload. Nonetheless, they start to hone in on some possibilities, right? For one thing, it's been stolen from a really freaking secure location, which we mentioned. This is only where staff are able to go back and forth. And so over the course of three months, they hone in on the staff members who they believe um, are most likely to have done it. And one of the articles I read mentioned that um, at least one of the individuals involved seems to have had possibly some gambling debts. So clearly this the, mo- the money is the motivation here, potentially. Regardless, June 2003, it's basically come to an end. Benny Nuzzo... And Mitchell Hochhauser, 
uh, are both assistant deputy wardens. And Timmy Pina and Greg Sokol are both corrections officers. And these four are charged with second degree grand larceny. Oh, boy. So Sokol um, eventually comes forward and gives an account of the job in, in exchange for, you know, a lesser plea. Um, and so what I'm about to tell you is how, the, the, how they did it. Um, but it's a combination of Sokol's account, some other sources. Um, and my favorite part before we even get into it is that apparently Nutso, one of those wardens, um, had been overheard the week prior saying something to the effect of, we could steal that painting and replace it with something my kid drew and no one would ever know. Which, again, just really loving. Oh, boy. Just loving that in light of the Times article. Anyway, so the night before the theft, there was a fire drill ordered by Hawkhauser, one of those wardens. And this was a dress rehearsal for the actual theft. And then the night of the theft, Nutso, the other warden, orders another fire drill. In theory, he says, oh, no one was paying attention the night before. We didn't get that fire drill done right. It was awful. You know, we have to try again. Be better. Um, in reality, what they've done is that they have changed who's manning different stations. So this hallway has uh, two really key posts that uh, are constantly guard, you know, have constantly have guards rather uh, 24 hours um, because one of those uh, posts guards the armory itself. So, right. So you're in a jail. You have an armory. Um, and so you have someone guarding those guns. Uh, one officer described this location as basically putting a dolly in the middle of Broadway. So they're trying to steal the dolly from Rikers Broadway. So they insist on um, a change in personnel who's going to be there. They replace the, those two posts with Pina and Sokol who are in on this. And during the fire drill, uh, the involved officers remove the dolly frame and all staple the decoy and, you know, take it away. All the officers plead not guilty initially, but by September 30th of 2003, Hawkhauser gives in and uh, agrees to testify against his comrades. And what's more, he had some terrible news. In a sudden panic about getting caught, Nutso, one of those wardens, had destroyed the work. He said that while they had planned to sell the work on the black market, Hawkhauser, um, uh, Nutso rather, uh, panicked and got rid of it lest they be found. Now, despite Sokol and Hawkhauser testifying against uh, Assistant Deputy Warden Benny Nutso, Nutso maintained his innocence. And on June 5th, 2004, it was reported by the Daily News uh, that the jury, after a four and a half hour deliberation, acquitted Nutso of the crime. Meanwhile, Pina would plead guilty and get five years. All the others serve varying levels of a sentence for this. And to this day, the painting has never been found. Now, presumably you would say that's because Nuzo destroyed it. But per a Newsday article, um, one of the spokeswomen for the Department of Investigation said, quote, in his testimony, Hochhauser said a co-defendant stated he was going to destroy the painting. The testimony was not that Mr. Hochhauser destroyed the painting or that Mr. Hochhauser was present when it was destroyed, unquote. Um, so the hope is basically that somewhere out there, there is still this Dali painting hanging around in maybe one of their basements or someone else's basement. And is that, you know, they're just sort of sitting on waiting for their payday to come. And mm. that eventually in some years it will surface on the market and be located. So 
basically go check your basements and your friends' basements. Yeah, to see like I, that's how you find them, right? That's it's how you find. They always at, like show up at like a flea market. I was gonna say a yard sale, somebody's yard it's sale. Like, what is this a gross thing with ketchup on? I guess on. Hmm. Right. Okay, how much I kind of like the overall it's form. 20, it's Twenty bucks. I'll buy. The, I'll buy it for the frame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that gold leaf mahogany frame. That gold leaf mahogany frame. Um, but yeah, there's a Salvador Dali still out there, hopefully, or it's destroyed, TBD. Uh, but hopefully, it's still out there. Hopefully, it's out there. I don't think it's destroyed. I don't. I don't buy you destroying a Dali. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather keep a Dali in my house forever and not get a single dime over it than destroying. I it. mean, yeah, I guess the question is like, if you if you know that the the proverbial noose is coming, like cl- closing around you, right? Yeah. Like, do you say I'd I might have a chance of not getting caught if I just burnless or something um i do like this last there's there is a a final quote from uh, a fellow corrections officer who was retired at the time um but he gets quoted in a newsday article and says quote it just seems once you cross over the bridge into rikers island that all the laws that govern new york city and new york state cease to exist it becomes a lawless island unto itself this is proof of it Oh man, oh man. And that's the story of Rikers Island. Do you guys know where the Dali is? Do you have a Dali in your painting? I mean, in your basement. And for 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 all now, maybe who who like going to a, a flea market, describe it one last time yeah. for them. So it's it's uh, a it's actually, housed in a beautiful gold leaf mono, mo, mo, monogamy. It's a monogamy frame. <laughs> it's housed in a gold leaf mahogany frame. Yes, you know what? But they could have taken it out of the frame. But it could be taken out of the frame. So I'm going to give you the one picture we have that mm. I I know of. Uh, Salvador Dali, Rikers Island. I'm going to make you describe it. I will honey. describe it for you. So if you have ever been in a flea market and you're like, "What a weird looking painting this is! I must have it." Or like, "Is this ketchup? It can't be. Maybe it's blood. Who knows?" Don't look it though. Don't lick it. Oh my God, don't lick it. I don't, I don't lick recommend it. that. Don't lick it. Okay, I will describe this Dali. This Dali. It is a, we'll post it on the socials, obviously. Yeah, we'll do that, yes. But it is a, the outline of a cross is the first thing you see. And upon the cross is clearly the torso of Christ, arms stretched out. His head is there with a crown of thorns. There's, there's like blood running down it and not so much of a body. It's just the cross used with, 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 with pencil and shadow work. And the highlight of it really is this, this splotchy Christ head, which is, it's really dope. Actually, that's just, now that I'm looking right? at it, it is like a dope painting. Like probably one of the coolest crucifixion post paintings right? I've ever seen in my life. This is so dope. Um, but if you've ever seen it at like a, uh, you may, you may be at like a church flea market and <laughs> yeah, see there it. You go. Right. So, it says 1965 on it, has Dali's signature, um, says it's for the prisoners of Rikers Island, and um, from Salvatore Dali. So if you know where this is, bring it to people. Who, yeah. You know, don't sell it because you'll go to jail. It. Yep. But perhaps you'll get something out of it, too, if you give it to the correct people. It really is a great... It's really dope, actually. It's a really cool painting. Dali so, was so talented. Yeah. Weirdo, absolute. Weirdo. Oh, absolute weirdo, crazy mustache. Referred to himself as Dali, but hey, someone has to. Well, there you have it, kids. There you go. If uh, you know where that Dali is, let people know. If you have theories of if it, if it still exists or not, head on over to our socials at NY Mystery uh, at NY Mystery Machine on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at NY Mysteries on X. 
email us nymysterymachine at gmail.com and let us know while you're on the web be sure to head over to our, our apple podcast page or spotify or audible leave us a five-star review that really matters we always give this plea at the end of the episode uh, but be sure to give us a five-star review let us know what you like let us know what you don't like we appreciate it um, if you're interested in supporting the pod in a deep way head on over to patreon that's patreon.com slash nymysterymachine. For as little as $3 a month, you can support the pod. For as little as $5 a month, you start getting some really cool free things, including free bonus Patreon-exclusive episodes every month. My brain just remembered. We had um, an, a, little, a little note update from one of our listeners about one of our previous episodes. Oh, great. I don't know if this is the moment to share it. We have a pediatric nurse oh, who, so uh, who listens to our show. Okay. And uh, this pediatric nurse said that apparently while listening to the, they were listening to the Lydia Sherman arsenic episode. Mm -hmm. And they said that arsenic is still used today in certain chemotherapy uh, or rather maybe not chemotherapy, but in certain uh, cancer medications. Well, they have Isn't it. that crazy? Well, they have it. And I thought I would just share that. Well, more of that comes in June at our season three finale. So if you have any theories, we will talk about them. Or just like info. Theories, info, anecdotes, we'll share them all. Head on over to our socials, our email, and be sure. Um, a lot of you recently have been like messaging back and forth with us, which has been really refreshing. So we do our best to check either Christina will respond or I'll respond. We, we do our best to like write who's responding yes. because sometimes we know that you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> um, but um, we're, we're, we're Although just... if it has like, I don't know, nine exclamation points, it's probably me. Yeah, that's true. Well, there you have it. We're back next week with an all-new episode of the New York Mystery Machine. How exciting. We're glad that you guys are with us. And um, that's about it. I've been out of mace. I'm Christina Manelli. I can imagine what that sounds like on like one and a half or two times speed. <laughs> that, that was just sounds. That was just sounds. And thank you for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Cheerio, Pepper Ghost. Oh, boy. <laughs>